Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Somewhere between science and superstition. We have such sights to show you. Welcome to Strange Eons Radio. That's Eric over there. Hello. That's Vanessa over there. Hello. That makes me Kelly. And uh, we are recording this on the Sunday after Thanksgiving. I feel bad that we didn't at least say happy Thanksgiving on our episode that came out on Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) So happy Thanksgiving to everybody. And I'm thankful for all of you listeners. And I'm thankful for these two lovely human beings opposite me here. Aww. Did you guys do anything special or... Uh, I, I drove out to Walla Walla to oh. spend time with my uh, my boyfriend's family and oh, nice. ate a lot of food, as you do. Fantastic. Yeah. Yes, and a good thank you to the listeners and these weirdos across from me as well. Yeah. And uh, we went to Dina's parents, which yeah. is standard, um, but we, we did it on Friday because my niece now works at Safeway. Oh. So, uh, <laughs> so she was working on Thanksgiving. But I tell you, when you're working at, because I, I did a stint at Safeway a few years ago, when you're done working Thanksgiving, I don't want to go have Thanksgiving dinner right now. I can do that sure. another day. <laughs> I tell you, man, we did some different mashed potatoes. Dina made some mashed potatoes and sweet potato pie, which we've never made before. And Mark did something different with the turkey. It was like the best Thanksgiving dinner I've had in years. Wow, cool. Really, really, really good. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, it's it's always interesting to try out somebody else's version of Thanksgiving mm-hmm. too. So I usually make pretty much the whole meal and I didn't oh, make any wow. of it and it felt very weird. Ah, oh, wild, yeah. yeah. But yes, but I am also thankful for you guys. I just want to make sure that I say that out loud because <laughs> otherwise you're going you're gonna to go to bed and stare at the ceiling and go, she didn't fucking say that. She was thankful for me. That ungrateful lady. <laughs> I got to uh, to watch... A few things, and one of them I want to talk about is uh, Last Night in Soho. Oh, yeah. I would love to hear what you think. Have I, you haven't, seen it I haven't seen it yet either, but boy, the stuff I'm reading going, it's like, did you watch the same movie everybody else did? <laughs> I fucking loved it. Are you serious? I, I was like, oh my <laughs> God, what what is she not liking about this movie? It's oh fucking God. brilliant. I mean, the twist you see coming a yeah. mile away, but... Yeah. I just thought it was gorgeous, and I thought the photography was something else, and the music, all of that stuff. I it, I, I loved just, it. I I just could not connect to it. I I it might just literally be because I was somebody her age in that place at that time, and I'm like, that's not really what it's like. But I I mean I look I could be wrong. I'm willing to <laughs> give it a little time and watch it again and see how I feel. Uh, I, I'm not above that. Well, no, I'm, I'm just, look, yeah. it was no Dune. I'll say that. <laughs> it's been a month. Move on. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, you've also in the past disliked British-based stuff because it got the British aspect of it wrong. Right, yeah. As opposed to it being a bad movie. I mean, which, I didn't you know, I didn't really like uh, this, a lot of the story. I felt like it was really boring and didn't go places that I was, I don't know. I just, I felt like there was a lot of unused time, uh, but I did like the twist. And I think the third act picks up really nicely and it feels very Edgar Wright at that point. 
Yeah, I was going to say, um, I don't think we can argue that that he didn't get the British part right since he's British. And he but he's not scripts. a teenage girl living in London sure. going to uni. I get it. So that's the part. That, <laughs> and I just, I her character and the people who are around her, just, I don't, I didn't vibe with that. But as you said, it is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So I loved, well shot. Because I looked up a little bit of it uh, and all but two of the effects of her becoming the other girl. Yeah. Those are all in camera. That's bananas. Except for two of them where and I, I was like, I think I know where it was because there was one scene where like yeah. a light flashes on her really quick and sure. the face is the other girl. The um the shot from underneath the bed where the camera pulls back and you've got that long sheet. I know it's in the trailer. Yeah. But that's such a cool shot. It really was. And I'm sure that that's practical. It's just so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So Eric, I think that you will like it also. I would very be surprised if I didn't from what I've seen of it. So I don't know if either of you guys checked this out, but on Thanksgiving, the new Hawkeye series came out. Oh, yeah. Episode one and two. Yeah. Watched them both. Yeah. Uh, what did you guys think about that? Well, this is your segment. You tell us what, and then we tell you if you're right or wrong. But I want to agree with you. So I have to hear what you think <laughs> first. Um I, you know what? I didn't like it that much. You didn't like it that much? I I like her. I like him. I like a lot of the setup, but I just, I don't know. I found it really boring. I, I have to agree with you on this one. Okay. I enjoyed it. It's a good setup. It's going to go someplace. Just like I, I Scarlet so. Witch show did. The first couple were kind of ridiculous and strange. Yeah. And then it became a really good show. I think that's what's going on here. That's my hope. Because I was just bored bored out of my mind. But, I mean, Hawkeye is also the, when I was a kid, the Arrow guys, I always liked Green Arrow and Hawkeye. Mm -hmm. And when he formed West Coast Avengers, I actually read that shit. And so I really like Hawkeye and I yeah. just get sick and tired of hearing people, oh, he's one of the useless Avengers. Is he? Not the point. No. <laughs> it's not the point of why he's there. But uh, so I'm hoping it'll yeah, and I love the, I mean, I actually love that about him. He's the one who doesn't have superpowers. Yeah. He's just very good at what he does. And like um, him teaching her how to like clean up your damn face after you've been beat up. <laughs> you know, we have to heal like normal people and you have to go to the drugstore and get the stuff. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I thought that was a really, really nice touch. And I liked um, the little nods towards um, the death of Black Widow. I thought that was really... Really yeah, that, that whole scene when they were at the musical, oh. Rogers, the musical, was <laughs> hilarious. But then they turned it nicely when he sees Black Widow. And yeah. I was like, yeah. this is nice. And I, I did like a lot of it. I just uh, I just wanted it to be a little bit more. Yeah. I do like the yeah. fact that um, he, he might be, you know, the least of the Avengers, but the least of the Avengers is pretty fucking badass. And so yeah. when the tracksuit mafia shows up, <laughs> he, you know, takes them out very easily because, you know, I am an Avenger. Yeah. 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 That was great. Did you, and you guys both saw the second episode too with the slow motion like LARP. It. The LARP, yeah. That was pretty good. I mean, I'm not sure really why. I, I, I know it was probably in there because it's hilarious, but it didn't have a great strong plot reason, but I was still enjoying it. I was like, yeah. Okay. That was the part where I was like, boy, this is kind of straining my credulity <laughs> uh, because he is an Avenger and he can't just go, Hey, I'm, I'm taking that suit from that guy and have the girl say, Oh no, you're not. That's against the rules of our LARPing community or something. Yeah. 
Like, I think that if actual if, cops showed up at oh, a LARP and said, we are arresting that person, they wouldn't tell them that they had to dress up and, and participate. And, you know, yeah. 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 And a lot of the auction stuff, I just, it, I don't know. I was not into it, but that's okay. <laughs> I mean, but the characters are great. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to yeah. seeing where this goes. I bet by the end, I, I love it. I hope, unless it's what if, in which case I won't. So. <laughs> Well, okay, well, I'll take us down a much darker path. Then. Okay. Uh, right here, seen the boy behind the door? No. no. I have not even heard of this. I think it was Shudder I saw it on. I'm not sure. Because it's fairly new. Uh, I think it's this year, actually. And it's a fairly uncomfortable story about a kid who gets stolen off the street and his friend about the same age who goes to try to rescue him. Mm. Now, it's played light enough that it's. Leans a little kind of home alone, but the story is dark enough that it obviously cannot go full. Yeah. And uh, some good suspense. Luckily, I mean, it never goes full dark, so it's not like, Jesus, the hell am I watching? Right. Um, but it implies it. It's full of a lot of really stupid moments, unfortunately, like really, really bad choices that they did to extend moments. And I was like, well, you know, if you just turned left instead of right, and you knew you could turn left because you knew that option was available. But for some reason, you turned right because it made the, the race longer you know, or whatever. It had a lot of those moments, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. But the kids were really good. And it was, it was, had, it really did have some great suspense in it. Mm. What, what is this on? I think it's Shudder. Oh, I remember positive. seeing the trailer for that like a while ago. And yeah, that, that did look really dark. Yeah, it's not as dark as The Lady in White, oh, <laughs> but, but it is a somewhat similar storyline, but it doesn't go anywhere near as <laughs> dark as that does. <laughs> I can't. I have a little pile of DVDs right now, and I'm like, I don't know what to do with you. I am never going to watch you again. I do not like these movies, but I did pay for them. So <laughs> Lady in White is at the top of that pile, right next to Entity. <laughs> Oh boy! Oh my God! <laughs> you don't like seeing a woman get demonically raped for for an hours, hour and a bit. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot of rape. <sighs> uh, I watched a movie called The Beta Test. Oh, okay. I've, I've never that's heard on of this. my my list to check out. So it is the new movie from Jim Cummings, who uh, did The Wolf of Snow Hollow, which was oh, my favorite sure. movie, yeah. whatever, a couple years back. Yeah. And uh, this is not horror, although there is a lot of death in it. Uh, it is him, again, writing, starring, and directing. And it is really a takedown on sleazy Hollywood agents. And he plays a fairly sleazy Hollywood agent in this. He always plays a very complicated character sure. and he doesn't mind making himself look bad in these things. But I feel very much that this has to be a response to whatever he and his business partner have been going through down in Hollywood over the last couple of years. Oh, God. Because <laughs> it's, it's like, this is awfully specific. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> nice. oh. So I love that a lot, but it is only available as a rental right now. Oh, okay. That guy, though, is going places, man. I, I think that, I mean, watch the movie with the knowledge that they made it for 250,000 bucks. Ooh, that's it, incredible. It looks great and the acting is great in it. He, his co-writer and co-director and business partner is his best friend in the movie also. <laughs> and and so they're 
interactions just feel so real. And I'm oh. like, God, these guys are really good. And uh, he, he crowdfunded it, I guess you would call it. But I really got to dig in to see how they did this. Because, you know, if you, um, if you go and you put your movie on Kickstarter and then they, you know, the rewards are you get a copy of the movie for this right. prize or whatever like that. Yeah. They, they did it the way that apparently we're not supposed to be able to do it. Um, if the movie sells and everything, the people who put money in get points. Oh, and I'm like, really? this is an investment. How are you able to do this? So it must be something new has changed. There's a third film, specifically it's film, I think it's film only, crowdfunding company. It's been around for a few years now, but it's it's fairly, it's kind of unknown. That's popped up in a few of the things I've researched. And I think that's how it works. Huh. I think it's a flat investment in a film as opposed to investment in a Fun time or whatever you want to call right. it, Kickstarter, Indiegogo. Oh. Well, I thought that was super cool because it, this thing looks fantastic. And if they really made it for 250000 then they're going to have had sold it for much more than that. Oh, for sure. And so the people who invested, I would imagine, are going to see a nice return. Nice. I didn't realize that you couldn't do something like that. And that makes, I mean, that would be such a smart way of fundraising a... Um, a film. If you can hand out points and, and act like it's an investment and like you're participating in the the model. Huh. Well, I mean, you can, you can get investors and everything, but that turns your company into like a stock or something like yeah, that. Yeah. There's right? a very specific way you have to go about doing yeah. it. To wow. legal. Yeah. Huh. So most indie filmmakers don't do that. I'm sure. That's <laughs> a pain in the ass. <laughs> Um, well, I, once again, ventured out to the theater. Ooh. I know, it's so exciting. Um, and I saw uh, Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City. Is that the animated one? No. Oh, what is, is this a new it's Resident a new, Evil movie? Yeah. It's a new right. Resident Evil movie. How long have I been action. asleep? <laughs> um, you know, I don't think it was crazy well advertised, so I'm not going to blame you for that one. Um, it looked incredible. And as somebody who's played... Um, some of, not all of the Resident Evil games, I got really excited because there's actual nods to actual moments that actually happen in the game. Cut scenes shot for a film kind of thing? Yes, nice. yeah. So there's like a helicopter that like um, crashes into, which is a cut scene uh, in the second game. It crashes into the police station and there's all these great little nods. Um, movie's pretty fucking awful. Oh, uh, have you that taken, must have been a shock. I was say, you've taken a turn for the cynical the last few I months. Know, right? I, feel, I, I know. I feel like I'm a bitter asshole. Is it last asshole. night in Soho bad? Or? No, no. It's like antlers bad. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, it, I, okay. It is better than antlers, but only if you've played the games. I think if you haven't played the games, it's just fucking awful. So the, it's got really, really good actors. It's got really good talent. And whoever did the set slash art, design for this thing is incredible. It feels like such a good cityscape and every room feels very alive and every moment really feels like they spent time on this, but the script is garbage <laughs> and they're trying to combine the first and second game. And I'm like, there is so goddamn much that happens in both of those games. Why? Why are you doing it? There's like all these characters and you never really like penetrate any of them. It's just sort of a mess. This has to be like a reboot on the movie series. Then, yeah, right? it's not a following. fresh start. Okay. Yeah, totally fresh. No Mila 
Jokovic or whatever. Jokovic. Jokovic. Something like that. That chick. That one. Um, Yeah, no, it was... uh, I I mean, I didn't... I don't know if I regret seeing it necessarily (laughs) because there was like still interesting moments and I was like, oh yeah, that part of the game and all that. But it does end with a clear nod to we are going to have another movie, everybody. And there is zero chance they're having another movie. (laughs) There's no way they made the money back from this guy. I did the theater as well. On the Thanksgiving that wasn't Thanksgiving for Dee and I, we went out to uh, Ghostbusters. Oh, oh cool. I gotta hear what you think. You know, and I think most theaters have this, and I always kind of forget about it. But you walk in, and you can see in the back where it has a right next to the projector, at least here in the Cinemark, has a start time and how many tickets sold. Mm-hmm. And I think that's for the wait staff, probably. And it walked in, it's like mm, eight tickets sold. Oh, it's a good time to go because we went at three thirty on Thursday. Ah, uh, I mean, come mm-hmm. on, <laughs> nobody's going to a movie then. It was fun. It was a lot more of a Ghost, but it felt like, you know, when, um, I forgot the blank on the name, not the last Jedi, but the one before it, the one where they killed the Death Star for like the fourth time or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That, you know how that felt like a Star Wars movie more than the three previous prequels from Star Wars? This felt like that. Like, oh, this feels like a Ghostbusters movie. Oh, really? The the reboot a couple years ago to me didn't feel like a Ghostbusters movie. It had nothing to do with the casting. It just was the story. It didn't feel Ghostbusters. This one has they puff marshmallow men. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen it in the commercial, but they're I, like this big. Yeah. I have, yeah. I, I, look, I'll be honest. Everything I saw in the trailer I, made me go, I don't think I'm going to like this movie. Paul Rudd playing with the little stay puff marshmallow men and them going on a little uh, tirade in a Walmart, like accidentally killing themselves on uh, barbecues and stuff is fairly, actually fairly amusing. Okay. But, uh, you know, it's Paul Rudd. So. Paul Rudd, very likable. So likable. Sexiest man Sexiest alive. Man oh, yeah, I yeah. forgot about that. <laughs> Jesus. And, uh, so it was fun. The ending was really neat. I mean, it's it feels like, oh, this is a fun little thing. Now the next Ghostbusters movie we do will actually be a full new Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. This one sort of felt like, okay, here's the fan like service for the, the old farts that liked it. See how we're getting here? We've got Gozer and we've got the dog. You know, we've got all this stuff. And then there's the new kids that were brought in, which I don't know, maybe probably a little too young to be doing what they're doing, but they do it. They make it fun to give it that Goonies kind of quality. So Mm. kids Mm. nowadays will latch on to that Ghostbusters movie Mm. as opposed to watching the old people run around with their proton packs. And their 80s jokes. So I think it's it's, it's good enough. Mm. But I think if that same team sticks together and does another one where they just Go for it. It could be a pretty cool Ghostbusters movie. Cool. I I got the feeling that it was, uh, was it on South Park? Uh, Member Berries. In the trailer, uh, all these nods to oh. the original movie made me go, uh-oh, this is just fan service now. And the thing is, uh, I'll catch hell for this, I didn't think Ghostbusters was a very good movie to begin with. The first so, one? Yeah. Mm. So I, mean, I it was, enjoyed it, it but I... fine, but... I'm with you. I've never understood the massive obsession with Ghostbusters. I think it's fun. And the but... the last remake was god awful. <laughs> yeah. But still somehow holds a better Rotten Tomatoes rating than this one. Huh. 
Which tells me there's something going on with those critics who are afraid to say, perhaps, that a movie is really bad just because they don't want to get yelled at and called misogynists. It's so frustrating because it's a very bad movie. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, I mean, I'm I'm so excited to check it out because I, I was stoked and then a bunch of people said it was awful and I was unstoked. And then a bunch of my friends said, no, 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 it is really good. And now I'm re- re-stoked. It's I'm hesitantly good. stoked. I, I wouldn't call it really good. What's, do you remember? I don't suppose you to memorize what the Rotten Tomatoes rating is for it. I think it's uh, just above Rotten. So it's 60, that's, 62% or something. That sounds about right. I, Certified I, I, not uh, Rotten. Yeah, I wouldn't say run out to the theater to see it, but if you're interested in it, yeah, check it out when it comes out on video because there is some neat, really neat stuff in it. And it's just... Well, know. I mean, knowing me, I will definitely have to see it in theater because otherwise, <laughs> why see it at all? I think we're going to have to <laughs> implement a, a strange tomatoes rating for the show here. <laughs> oh, whereas, yeah. uh, so last night in Soho now holds a uh, 33% as far as strange tomatoes go. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So, so one once you one see it, we'll be able to at least bump it up to 66. Yeah, unless you hate it. And then I'll be like, oh boy. I um, love that there's no room for like <laughs> any gray. It's like you either get the 33 because you liked it or it's zero. Like I would have given it maybe. 66 or 99. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but that's how Rotten Tomatoes is too. I mean, when they yeah. say it's 61% fresh, you could have given it a D as a film, uh-huh. but that still means it was, it passed. Oh, I see. And so it's just. So 58 or whatever, you know, they're that's saying. However many yeah, said you know, yes versus no. Yeah, they're yeah. exactly. Weird. They're 43% of, of critics have said that the new Ghostbusters is not even a D of a film. It's awful. It's bad. <laughs> and that's how <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes crazy. works. And that's why Rotten Tomatoes is a bullshit Rating system. It is yeah, really exactly. a bullshit rating system. I think it's an interesting idea. You know, okay. we could actually put that into our, our letterbox page in some way. Because <laughs> we've got a list of, I don't know, 300 movies or whatever it is now, and none of them are rated. Oh, oh. see. We get a strange tomato rating. Exactly. Ooh, I like so, it. I like it. I'll, maybe I'll send you the like three or four of those a week or something. We, can we can't go through. Star it. Love it. We'll take the average and put it on that list. I love it. Okay, let's take a break. You get that all figured out, Eric. And when we come back, (laughs) we're going to be talking. um, I still haven't figured out what this genre is. (laughs) A team of specialists go to a mysterious place and things happen. Yeah. Longest title. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be right back. The Jumpstarts Your Car can help jumpstart your holiday gift shopping. Oh, we'll be late for the mall and I'll never get the gift list done. We should just get AAA cards for everyone. Yeah, Uncle Jack would love it. His old car is always breaking down. And Grandma could use the maps. She gets lost in her own driveway. <laughs> hey, didn't Aunt Sally get her insurance from AAA? Maybe we'll just shop at AAA. Let's talk to AAA Travel about that vacation. Online, on the phone, or in one of their convenient locations. AAA can start a lot more than just your car. We have returned. Guys, this was my subgenre, and I still don't know what to call it. But <laughs> it's, it's become such a trope, especially in horror films or sci-fi, yeah. that I think it's its own subgenre. And that's when we have to gather a team of specialists together, and then they get sent to investigate something at a mysterious place, mm-hmm. and then everything falls apart. So I was saying that you couldn't use a movie like Alien because they were 
miners who answered a distress call. That doesn't work. Yeah. But aliens, aliens, uh, <laughs> that works because the the specialists are Marines yeah. and they've got yeah. some scientists and all that stuff. Even if they're ill-prepared. Yes. And don't know what they're up against. <laughs> so with that in mind, I chose, from 1998, Phantoms. Who are you? sort of way. Is it always this quiet? No. No, it isn't. trying to bait us, like your deputy at the inn. Phantoms was the bomb, yo! You know what, Actually, Eric? I've, I I've knew that one. one person would make that stupid comment, and to. I knew it was you. Yeah, of course. I don't think I saw this. You just because it's a it's a Kevin, Kevin Smith, Smith thing, and he can handle Kevin Smith <laughs> for some goddamn weak ass reason. But what the hell? <laughs> I'm not even going to engage. Baby, that's why. <laughs> don't listen to either of them, audience. It's going to be okay. Hold your loved ones close. <laughs> I could find no budget information on this film, but the box office was 5.6 million. The Rotten Tomatoes critics have it at 13%, and the audience has it at 28%. Oh, wow. My question Have Oof. either of you seen Phantoms? No. Yes. You have seen it. Okay. That's Do you remember anything about it? it is. Thinking of the right movie, right? <laughs> 
Give me uh, some description. Make sure I think of the right It film. was directed by Joe Chappelle. He directed Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers, The Skulls 2. Oh, my. Wow. It may not he, be the movie I was thinking of. <laughs> he is an executive producer on CSI, Chicago Fire, Fringe, Manifest, The Wire, still working. Damn. This day. Wow. He is, uh, in, he's got his fingers in everything. Yeah. It was written by Dean Koontz, who is kind of a Stephen King light yep. horror author. Um, it's based on his book. He's also the writer of novels Watchers, which I do love that novel. Servants of Twilight, I also like that one. And Odd Thomas, which was made into a so-so movie a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. It stars Ben Affleck. Awesome. Uh, he was in a couple of movies. Uh, Gilles Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> the sum of all fears. My favorites. Uh, it stars Rose McGowan. You would know her from Encino Man, Biodome, oh my and God. Conan the Barbarian. Oh my God. I forgot she was in any of <laughs> It stars Liev Schreiber, or Schreiber. He was in Scream, X-Men Origins, Wolverine, <laughs> and My Little Pony, the movie. <laughs> oh my God. And it also stars Peter O'Toole. 99 credits, including Lawrence of Arabia, The Stuntman, The Tudors, and Stardust. Oh. Okay. Is he, is he still with us, Peter O'Toole? No, I Peter have O'Toole seen did, but, he did pass. But it was a very, very long time ago, so I... I can't imagine that you would have seen it. it any other time than maybe in the theater and then realized no reason to revisit this. <laughs> this movie is bad, but I gotta say, I gotta <laughs> say that I kind of like so it starts with these two sisters who are heading back to visit their hometown of Snowfield, Colorado. And there's the usual bickering going on. One of the sisters is a doctor and the other one is younger and moody and always getting into trouble and dating the wrong guys and all that bullshit. Uh, but when they get to town, they notice that it seems awfully quiet. There's like, it, it almost looks like it's deserted. There's nobody on the sidewalks, any of that shit. Um, they, in fact, drive up to a stoplight and there is a car sitting at the stoplight running, but it is empty. Ooh. Yes. So when they get to their home, though, they uh, they come in and they're like, da, 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 da. They get into the kitchen and there's the housekeeper and she is dead on the floor. And it looks like she's been just beaten to death. She's all black and blue, bruised and everything, covered in bruises. Um, and then they hear a creak from upstairs and they're like, oh, shit, whoever did this is still in the house. So... They, uh, they hightail it and they decide they have to run to the sheriff's office. They have to run to the sheriff's office because they try to jump into their Jeep that they had just come in and it won't even turn over now. Mm. So, uh, completely dead. Then they run past that car that was sitting at the stoplight. It is no longer running. So whatever is happening in this town has stopped them from being able to get out, do anything. So they get to the sheriff's and they find him dead also. Sure. Looks exactly the same way. But um, they see that he has his gun in his hand and he has fired it several times, but there is no blood anywhere. So whatever he was shooting, he did not hit or something. Uh, the mystery deepens. Ooh, this and is creepy. At this point, I'm like, I'm getting into this movie. I'm like, yeah. this is actually pretty fucking cool. Um. So they start to explore the rest of the town and they start finding dead bodies everywhere. And now the bodies are uh, in different stages of disrepair. Like they'll find severed hands on a table or a couple of severed heads in an oven and stuff like that. And they are sure 
it's just the two sisters this whole time. And they are sure that uh, this is like some crazed serial killer. And, and, and you're like, he just killed the entire town? <laughs> and disabled all the vehicles? <laughs> so they grab a shotgun, and then they are suddenly surprised by these three deputies that show up, uh, two of which are Ben Affleck and Liev Schreiber, who were apparently on the phone with the sheriff when the line went mysteriously dead. So they decided to come up and investigate. But even these guys aren't the team of specialists yet. Oh. So they're um, all starting to investigate the, count, the town together, and they're finding dead bodies and seeing weird things. Phantoms, perhaps. Ooh. Of past deeds and guilts that they have and shit like that. Unfortunately, this is where the movie Uh-oh. starts to fall apart. Oh, no. Um, first of all, Ben Affleck as ex-FBI and now a sheriff, but he's also... Hmm, 24. Oh, no. Uh, and even if he's not, even if he's 34, he looks like he's 24 here. And you're, you're just like, why? Why are we casting Ben Affleck in this role? This should have been somebody who's got, you know, a little bit of gravitas. I don't know. Yeah. Um, he's just too, too young to be playing the hardened FBI turned sheriff of a small town. And leave Schreiber is acting super creepy and you're like, there's just no way this guy would ever be considered for law enforcement. You're you're, you're never this hard up that you're like, oh, this guy's a weirdo and probably rapes people, but we need cops. I mean, small town logic. Yeah, yeah. Like I've seen it. Um, So they are somehow able to get a call out and this is when the specialists start being gathered. So this is really still... I don't know. We're 40 minutes into the movie is all. So uh, they get a call off to this government agency and they start assembling the specialists and everything. And that includes Peter O'Toole as a, um, as a tabloid newspaper investigator. Do you remember the weekly world news? Oh yeah. Which had, you know, bat boy and president Clinton meeting with aliens and all that shit. That's the kind of writer he is. And and I'm like, exactly why is he being asked to do this? But it turns out, he is asked to be do. He is asked to do this because Affleck's crew had found his name written in blood on one of the mirrors. Oh <laughs> shit! So he's like, he's also very, you know. Well, what's going on here? I guess I'll have to go and see. So the team is finally assembled. They go to a mysterious place, and shit starts to happen. Um, our team is slowly getting picked off one by one. So Liv Schreiber dies first, and then the other deputy. And so now it's just the two girls and Affleck when all of a sudden the specialists arrive. So they've got soldiers, they've got scientists and all this stuff. Most of them are completely faceless and nameless. So they start dying very quickly just to get the body (laughs) count up, you know, that's uh. Um, the movie doesn't really suck, but it is so nineties that you're (laughs) just dying. I mean, it's a dimension film and it's got a young, attractive cast and cool music and everything. The writing is, Okay, but not great. Then <laughs> Affleck is a very bad actor in this. <laughs> he is bad. Actually, everybody was just bad in this. Peter O'Toole had to just be, you know, groaning and, you know, this was clearly he had rent due. And he's, I'm sure he's just in his in his uh, backstage area going, I was in fucking Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> Phoning it in and still the best person in there. <laughs> yeah, there are a couple of very cool scenes. One of them is Schreiber who comes back after he's been killed Ooh. and um, he is cut in half 
and he is using his intestines as kind of tentacles to drag him after the girls and everything. And it is a, it is a cool, creepy scene. I was like, this movie does not deserve how cool this fucking scene is because it's almost (laughs) worth watching the movie for. Um, The other one is a pretty cool scene where O'Toole is um, challenging whatever this evil force is. And he's yelling into this manhole because he believes that the evil force is like under the town. And he's telling it to come out and face him and, and talk to him. He's standing in the middle of the street. And then suddenly right next to him is this person Ooh. and it's in shadow, but you could see that, Oh, there's somebody there. Ooh. And, uh, and then suddenly like in a blink, the entire street is filled with all of the residents from town, but they're all in shadow and uh. it's, they're just standing there quietly. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that is very effective and creepy. And then, unfortunately, they all kind of merge into a, um, a, a swirling, ghostly hurricane type thing. A oh. very bad CGI effect. No. And I was like, God, you guys. My theory on CGI is that uh, if you're watching a science fiction movie, mm-hmm. you will forgive bad CGI much better than if you're watching a horror movie. Because I think horror fans want that practical effect. Right. And you understand that we don't have things that fly through space at warp speed or whatever. Sure. So, yeah. So, um, so that the 90 CGI kind of sucks in this. Mm. Um, it's a pretty bad ending and it's left open for a sequel with a stupid add on of Schreiber in a bar. (laughs) And, uh, he, he does kind of his, his tagline. Um, but I will say that out of everybody, Schreiber is probably the best actor and it looks like he's having fun with the role, but he's just so, Mm. he's so fucking over the top creepy Mm. that you're, you're just like, there's no way you would pass a psych eval test. (laughs) You're not going to be. No one's giving you a gun, sir. Right. Okay. Some trivia. Eric. Mm. Affleck, you the bomb in Phantoms, yo. There you go. Was a phrase coined by Jason Mewes and Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back and has been a popular phrase whenever Ben Affleck is mentioned in the media. There you go. <laughs> uh, categorically, one of the chief cinematic influences for Konami's original Silent Hill game. Oh, really? And to the series overall, along with the films Jacob Ladder and Session 9. Sure. Uh, it reunites Rose McGowan with Liev Schreiber after Scream. And it reunites Ben Affleck with Nikki Cat after Dazed and Confused. That is all the trivia I have in here. Um, <laughs> this is a dimension film, which means that it has Harvey Weinstein all over it and uh, Rose McGowan in it. And so you know that some awful shit happened. Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, it, it sounds amazing to me, but it sounds like the exact kind of crap I like. Like 90s, I think that you, almost teens. You not might quite. like it. It's... Yeah. Um, it looks good, yeah, but it's just dumb. <laughs> but but there are some. I thought there was, some, uh, you know, the first twenty minutes I thought were really solid. Then the scene with uh, Schreiber pulling himself after the girls with his tentacle guts was really fucking creepy and cool. Yeah, and um, and then the scene with the people in the street. I mean, there's enough there for a horror fan to go. Yeah, it's fine. I think I yeah I think I'd want to check this out. Um, so I'll, I'll hop on into my pick because it actually has some of the similar issues, I think, that yours does. Oh. Uh, so I watched the 2010 movie Yellow Brick Road. Reporting from 
Station 8 at 1100 hours, recorded this the 10th of October in the year 1940. Case file 63708NH90, and the missing number so far at 257257. Uh, this matter is to be classified. Packing up and shipping out. We'd like to make as much ground as we can before dark. According to this, the trailhead's right here. Nobody will talk to us. There is no trailhead. But there is a trailhead. There's even a marker. It says Yellow Brick Road. Someone tell you all not to talk to us? If you live in town long enough, you know real reason they walked. You feel like the trail will understand you. That it does. There's no place like home. I feel like I need to say it, uh, call it Yellowbrookwood because it's all one word. <laughs> yep. So like, just I've, get rid of the spaces. I've heard of this, but I've never seen it, and I didn't realize it fits into this kind of subgenre. It does. Yes. Um. It's. It, it, I picked it because it was actually obscure, and everything else I had on my list was way. I was like fucking Armageddon. Like I can't. I can't do Armageddon. <laughs> I want to, but I can't. So um. Yeah. So this one kind of came across my my desk and was like, yeah, okay, I'm gonna go with this guy. Rotten Tomatoes score of 50% critics and 30% audience. Uh, it is an R rating, so it it, it is gnarly, <laughs> which is great, and it's currently free on Amazon. If anyone's curious. Um, writer, director. So it's a, a team, um, somebody named Jesse Holland and Andy Mitten. They have overlapping credits, including Yellow Brick Road, Chilling Visions, We Go On, and The Crooked Man. Jesse Holland also has done some editing. Andy Mitten, uh, I think the team must have broken up because they have two additional credits, which is Witch in the Window, uh, which is kind of a, a neat little horror film that came out a few years ago, and The Harbinger, which I have not seen. <laughs> It's starring a lot of people who are really not that famous because this is like a low-budget indie little picture that probably did the festival circuit and not much more. Um, oh, by the way, yeah, because of that, there's no budget. So yeah. no budget info whatsoever. Um, I would I would guess no more than a few million at best, probably closer to just one mil uh, is just the way it looks to give you an yeah. idea. Uh, starring um, definitely a low-budget cast. Some people who've done a few things, most of them are, are sort of TV actors who uh, are day players for that kind of uh, work. Michael Lorino as Teddy Barnes. This is our main character who uh, is, this is his white whale. This is his obsession. Um, the plot of this film revolves around him. He's been in seven things. This is his first feature. <laughs> Yeah. He's also done some TV and shorts. Main thing is Will Gaines in I Am Frankie. 
Um, Anessa Ramsey as Melissa Barnes playing his wife. Uh, she's been in 17 things, a few more slightly larger things like Southbound, uh, the 2011 Footloose, and The Signal, which is what I recognized her from. Alex Draper as Walter. He's been in 28 things, including Witch in the Window and a lot of TV. Cassidy Freeman as Aaron Luger, who's been in 34 things, including Righteous Gemstones as Amber. Longmire for uh, 63 episodes of that. The Forever Purge as Cassidy Tucker, um, which I couldn't remember which one that was. And she was in 64 episodes of Smallville as Tess Mercer. Um, then we have Clark Freeman as Daryl, who's kind of the, the guy who... Uh, loses his shit or one of the guys who loses his shit. He's been in 23 things, including Narcos Mexico and a lot of TV. And then same with everybody else in here. There's there's probably three or four more people in this that are just random TV crap. Probably, I, I think maybe the only other person worth mentioning is Laura Heisler as uh, somebody named Liv, who's uh, one of the main characters in this who really uh, shines pretty well. She did a lot of random TV, including being in um, Evil, The Americans, Madam uh, Secretary, uh, ugly Betty, et cetera. So uh, she's kind of vaguely recognizable, but I don't think like proper actors. Anyway, the plot. So um, I think that it's important to do the setup because this film sure starts with a bunch of text on the screen. It's very Star Wars, <laughs> um, but not with a, a vanishing point. Um, in 1940, the entire town of Friar, which includes 572 people, abandoned their town and walked into the wilderness with only the clothes on their backs after a viewing of The Wizard of Oz, a film with which the entire town was obsessed. No one uh, was ever able to explain why they did, did this. Only 300 of the townspeople's bodies were recovered. Some had frozen to death in the elements while others were killed in horrific and bloody ways. The remaining 272 citizens were never found. And the government designated the trail that the townspeople took as classified. Despite this, the town was eventually repopulated, although the townspeople are cautious of the town's history. So that's the setup. Uh, we begin with Teddy, who uh, seems to be this sort of writer, photographer guy, clearly very obsessed with the trail and finding out what happened. Um, he's follow a, followed a lead that's taken him to this strange, like... Uh, reception desk. I don't know where we are. It looks like a <laughs> mental institute, but I guess it's not. Um, and it's kind of cool though, because there's glass in front of this reception desk and it's totally scratched up. So there's somebody behind it, but you can't see who. And it's this guy who's talking to him and, and Teddy's like, oh God, I, I'm so sorry. I'm late. I know like you guys are going to close in two minutes. And the guy's like, you know what? We we just want to formally apologize. And uh, here you go. Here are all the classified documents on this particular thing that you've been looking for this whole time. Um, we, we're so sorry we kept this from you. Here you are. Big, huge stack of papers. And then uh, Teddy was like, oh, he's obviously been searching for this for years and years and years. Couldn't get anything. Couldn't get a scrap of paper. Couldn't anyone get anyone to talk to him about it. And all of a sudden, he has all this material. He looks up and the guy is gone. So... <clears throat> That bodes well. <laughs> I was like, hmm, seems like you might be a sacrifice. I don't know. Uh, so Teddy, who uh, wants to write a book on this, uh, gets together with his uh, small team, which is his wife and best friend, Walter. Um, wife is different than best friend. <laughs> anyway, uh, Walter's a psychologist and, and his wife is going to help him write the book. And they assemble a team. 
a group of experts that will go with him to the beginning of the trailhead in this small town and walk the trail. Um, we have people who are our map specialists. We have people who are um, there for medical purposes to make sure everyone's okay. Uh, we have people who are seem to be gun happy and have machetes. I'm not really sure what they're supposed to do, but I know they explain it at some point. Um, so they start to walk down into the woods. And of course, as uh, well, when they get there, First of all, they can't find the trailhead. It seems to be a, a movie theater called the Rialto, which definitely doesn't have the word trail in it. Um, <laughs> and they're like, oh shit, we fucked up. There's nothing here. We've got to abandon this whole thing. Like we got together everybody and there's there's no purpose for it. And there's a lot of menacing things going around. They got a bunch of voicemails telling them to like leave, leave it all well alone. Don't pursue this. This is none of their business. Um but at the theater, uh, Teddy notices that there's a strange girl in the back who's doing the popcorn. And she seems to maybe know more than uh, what anybody is saying. And so he follows her into um, a movie theater screening and sits down and starts to talk to her. And she tells him that she knows where the trail head is and she will take him, but only if he takes her along. Something she's wanted to do her whole life. Um, most people get as far as the trailhead and then chicken out. And she said a lot of people, her friends will go and like get drunk there just like on a dare. But everyone's just way too terrified. You do not walk this trail. So uh, he agrees uh, happily. And she takes him to um, the trailhead, which has a stone marker at the beginning with the word scratched in, Yellow Brick Road. Title drop. Um, <laughs> they start to make their way down this trail. And after about three days in, Things start to get really strange. There's a loud m music that's coming out of seemingly nowhere. They're they're walking for three days on this trail. Mm -hmm. There, it's like a hundred miles or something. This trail. Oh wow! So okay. um, yeah, so they they're yeah, it's it's like a long trip that they're going to do, probably several weeks. And um, they've got like all their equipment. They have a, a ATV that one person's driving with all the stuff in it. Um, so they're like set up to really commit to this whole thing. But after about three days, uh, this music starts to play and it's, it's very old timey sounding. I mean, the, the event that it originally happened was in the forties and it feels like it's kind of an, uh, something from then and it's all around them and it's booming and you're not really sure where it's coming from. And they know that as they go down the trail, it gets louder and louder and louder. And every once in a while it does weird things like it skips or it, it, um, like digitizes out and it makes these horrible sounds. So it's very disorienting and it starts to set people sort of off. And of course their compasses start to, you know, stop functioning. And it feels like they think they've been walking south all day and then it turns out they're been walking north all day. And then um, people start to snap. Um, the first person who snaps, uh, <laughs> it's really gnarly fucking scene. A little over the top, but still kind of effective. A brother, uh, who's it was a brother-sister team that was uh, joining them, um, gets into an argument over like scratching a camera. And then he found a hat in the woods and he's been wearing and she tells him to take it off. And she grabs a hat, runs down um, the, the hillside and he chases her and he bludgeons her to death with a rock and then starts breaking her limbs and pulls off her leg. Very uh, fucked up looking. So that's the setting the tone for the rest Seems of the Seems like an overreaction to me. <laughs> I, I kind of thought so too. Um, so they have to like, you know, find this guy and tie him up and, and figure out what to do with him. But slowly, um, as they get about 65 miles into this trek, everybody's just 
fucking gone in one way or another. The the people are um, split off kind of in different tribes and go in different directions and have different ideas. Some people want to go back. Some people want to find help. Some people, um, of course, uh, Teddy wants to move forward and is determined. Uh, he had a nightmare that they were going to abandon the trip um, and he refuses to let that happen. Yeah, so this film... There's some there's some really good moments in it. Um, the the girl who gets slaughtered, for example, at one point they come across her body again further down the trail, and it's been set up like the scarecrow from Wizard of Oz. It's all like like forced into weird positions, and her hands are going in opposite directions, and she's like stuffed with grass. Like those are really good moments. The way they use sound design is unbelievably incredible. They do a lot of stuff that you see in other movies like Blair Witch Project, where I feel like Blair Witch kind of got it wrong or just didn't pursue it in a satisfying way that they are doing in a really satisfying, interesting way here. A lot of the characters are super interesting and feel very um, realized. The madness that happens is it's fucking raw. It's a rated R, which is great. The bad is there's like no ending. <laughs> I mean, there's an ending, but it's a bad fucking ending. There's some <laughs> god awful CGI sprinkled throughout this. Um, there's just a lot of shoehorned in uh, Wizard of Oz references that like a lot of times when they do it, you're like, you gotta stop. Like there's somebody will say like, I just, I just imagine I can click my heels three times and I'll be home. Like just stop. <laughs> Don't do it. Um, I was annoyed because I felt like there were a few missed opportunities. Like they could have done something a little bit more with the concept of the wicked witch uh, and the good witch, or they could have had Tin Man in there, whatever, or Cowardly Lion. And maybe that was somehow in there, but I didn't really find it. Um, so it's a really frustrating movie where I think it's definitely worth checking out. I think it has a lot of really cool shit going on in it, but I can't say it's a good movie because it's just, it's so low budget and it feels like some great ideas um, in some um, unexperienced hands. Is there an explanation for why the town folk did what they did? I mean, no. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah, and Wizard that's why. Wizard of Oz is just evil or something. Yeah, Wizard of Oz, they're just really into it. I mean, <laughs> it's funny too, because when I was looking up information about the film, that's when I came across that part. And I was like, I mean, the words came and went really quickly. So I didn't even remember that being, I was like, why are the, all these Wizard of Oz references? <laughs> Later, I was like, oh, that's why. Okay. I gotta say, when you started this out, I was like, holy shit, this sounds awesome. I, You know, and that's the thing. I don't know whether or not you guys would actually like this movie. I've seen this one. You have I, seen it. Yeah. So I. It's worth watching. It's a pretty decent low budget yeah. horror film. I thought it was IFC when they first, there was like a couple of years there where they just put out IFC Midnight, just put right, out right. amazing stuff. Yeah. I think it was originally that. It's now um, Bloody, it's bloody Disgusting right Selects line. Which, you know, this is one of the better ones <laughs> that I've seen from them, that's for sure. Yeah. I would say this is the kind of movie that you stumble across in a horror festival that's like a B, B tier horror festival yeah. and it's one of the best yeah. ones playing at it. That's yeah. what it feels like. Yeah, it, it feels like it's it's worth sitting through, but uh, just kind of a weird one. Um, so I have a, a couple of very small pieces of trivia. Um, it was filmed in 20 days in an isolated remote region of Pittsburgh, New Hampshire. Uh, many of the cast and crew began experiencing vivid nightmares <laughs> starting on the second week of filming. 
Not surprised, <laughs> um, especially with what they're doing and saying. Lee Wilkoff um, took time off his role playing the wizard in San Francisco production of Wicked um, to film his role for this. It won Best Film at New York City Horror Film Festival. So, That's a pretty big festival. Yeah, yeah. You said this is on Amazon? Yep, it's free on Amazon. So might, if you want to check I might it out. give it a try. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I will say it It leaves you with those deep, creepy feels occasionally, even when things are over the top and you're like, normally this would be stupid looking. For me, I was like, God, that's just sitting with me weird, like constantly just yeah. building and building. So definitely, definitely check it out. Cool. Nice. See, I don't hate everything, <laughs> guys. I believe this is the Italian word for demon, but demonia. It's available on Tubi and Night Flight Streaming. Fantastic. <laughs> Night Flight Streaming. Definitely heard of it. It's actually a cool... That was a, <laughs> yeah, it's a cool little channel. Sorry. Uh, this came out in 1990. The Rotten Tomatoes ratings, there was no critics ratings. And 15 <laughs> from the audience. No idea what the budget or box office is. Uh, this is one of... I tried to verify, but ran out of time of <laughs> digging deep. I thought this was Fulci's last film. But when you look it up, it's not listed as his last film. But the, a lot of times, you know, the really famous directors, somebody goes out and finds bits and pieces and makes a new sort of movie out of it and calls it directed by. And I know that's happened to him. But uh, you might know Lucio Fulci from Zombie, Murder Rock, City of the Living Dead, and How to Rob the Bank of Italy. <laughs> My favorite. I haven't heard that last one. <laughs> <laughs> he directed a shit ton of films. Um, he's affectionately known in horror as probably the godfather of gore for his truly over-the-top films. Uh, City of the Living Dead, I believe, is the one where the lady throws up her guts on the bus, I believe, is in that one. All kinds of wild shit. But anyways, it's written by uh, Piero Rignoli, who's written Ivanhoe, the Norman Swordsman, Sure, you've seen that one, right? <laughs> I love me and Ivanhoe. Death Walks in Laredo, The Playgirls and the Vampire, and 118 other writing credits. Holy cow. So, uh, Fulci also put in some screenplay wor uh, work on it. And Antonio Tentori, who wrote uh, Mad, Mac Mad Macbeth, Virus Extreme Contamination, which is a 2016 film, and uh, Cat in the Brain, which is a Pretty decent Fulci film. Uh, stars Brett Halsey, uh, To Hell and Back, Return of the Fly, Twice Told Tales, 
The Love Boat, Fantasy Island. Oh, yeah. And Knight Rider. <laughs> Plus any 80s movie, late 70s, early 80s show that you can appear on like that. <laughs> and let's see, they've got uh, Meg Register, which is weird last name. And she's in Boxing Helena, Running Scared, Ministry of Vengeance. It's weird talking about a Fulci film and thinking it was made in 1990. Yeah. And so all the actors are in at least a little more newer stuff. I'm used to looking at Fulci and you, oh, this guy was in some movie in the 50s. Nope. These people were younger. <laughs> and uh, Lino Salam, who is in Passion of the Christ and Demons 2. So we open this movie up. It's sort of a nunsploitation, sort of a ghost movie thing. Opens up with five nuns being um, crucified. Not sure why. Move forward 500 years <laughs> to modern day, 1990. Wow. And uh, there's a seance going on. Can you guess who they contact with their seance? Is it the nuns? Yeah, you go. Yeah. Uh, I, I was going to say Jesus, but it's fine. <laughs> no, that's all right. Uh, there's a strange bit about the seance where after the leading lady has the seance, she jokes with her friends like, these aren't serious. I just do these for fun. This isn't a real seance or anything. Nothing really happens, even though she's the one that yelled, screamed, and fell on the floor earlier. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what the experts come in is they are traveling to Greece to do an echo, archaeological dig. When they get there and they start their investigation, they find out that there's this church on the uh, church on the hill, as it were, and the villagers all say, don't go to the church. Mm. Whatever you do as an archaeological person, don't go to the 500-year-old church and investigate it. That nothing to see. Nothing to see. <laughs> that won't intrigue them. Of course, it actually doesn't intrigue the guy who's in charge of the dig, but the lady, she's all for it. He's a professor or something like that. Coolest friggin' voice, man. It's like, oh, I'll follow that guy to an archaeological dig. So my mom, in her career, went to a few archaeological digs. <laughs> this is obviously not an actual dig. They just found a dig in the only shots, I don't remember them ever actually digging anything or like, you know, even doing the little brush where you pretend <laughs> to brush something off. Yeah. They just sat around partying and singing all night long. <laughs> Seems to be the main job of this group. Sure. And uh, Liza is the lead lady's name. While they're doing this, she's sitting in her tent thinking about going up to the church. You know, she got to check that up. But before that, it's time for some dreams. You know, it's Fulci, so of course it's gonna. There's weird dreams, and uh, his biggest comment on the film why it didn't work was he thought it looked terrible. Mm. It is not a great looking Fulci film, but it's not a terrible looking 1990 Italian film either. So she is going to go dig deeper into what's going on. The dream's sort of nonsensical, and you get an idea that oh, I must go. You know, something you get out of a dream in a horror film where yes, you are on the right path. You need to go do these things. And uh, so she goes to the Hall of Records to research the church. And uh, some weird lady shows up at the other end of the church talking to or the, of the records, talking to her, saying, don't talk too loud. I'm like, well, walk closer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she tells you, if you want the truth, come by my house. It's the last house on the edge of the city. You'll know it because I'm the only one out there. And I believe she walks out there and it looks like it's still right in the middle of the city because it's not a house. It's sort of a, <laughs> an attached apartment. But, you know, you do what you do. She has another 
vision or a dream where it appears one of the nuns has come back to life. And which draws two drunk guys to the church. Now, there's a problem in the film at this point, because these two drunk guys look like they're traveling in her dream. Because there's a very blue tint put over the movie when she's dreaming. Mm. Well, they're traveling in that blue tent. Tint. And they end up getting killed. So I'm like, oh, is this a warning? And then the next day, they're like, oh, my God, we found their bodies. Like, oh, man. Oh, okay. So I guess it did get killed. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so she goes to visit the lady from the Hall of Records. And this is important. She has cats. Lots of cats. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, she's a hit or miss kind of director as it is. Even his best stuff is, you know, Italian horror. And this is not his best movie. <laughs> Is this shot on film? Yeah. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. She goes back to the church, gives birth to a baby doll while she's dreaming. Okay. And it's you know supposed to be a baby. It's supposed to be the past of why the, the nuns were crucified, sort of, I think. And they take the baby and they put the baby in a, a thing to burn it. And it's so obvious little plastic baby doll arm. <laughs> Hanging out. And not only is it blindingly obvious from a mid-range shot, they go for a close-up in that arm to watch it kind of curl up. I'm like, oh, dude. <laughs> there is a few scenes of incredibly good um, gore, of course. It's still Fulci. And that comes when the cats attack <laughs> the lady and pull her eyeball out. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like, oh, cats are fun. <laughs> But, you know. My uh, cats have never tried to pull my eyeball out. That you know of. Yet. True. I did wake up one time with a cat paw coming right at my eyeball. So, you never know. You do. That's true. <laughs> the, the They start now. The, the movie slows to a horrible crawl now that the, the cops have shown up to investigate what's going on. There is an interrogation scene that uh, two guys sit on a boat five, ten minutes long. And the the cop's rhetoric for why he's a good police officer is referencing detective novels. I read in this detective one novel one time that this happened, so maybe that's what happened. I was like, what? <laughs> a very strange scene where a mob forms, just kind of like mirroring what happened at the beginning of the movie. But these are all mobs guys in like, well, 1990, but like sweaters and... <laughs> Pullover jackets. <laughs> and they all they all look very non-threatening. Very <laughs> really strange scene. So if you're interested, you can just watch the rest. <laughs> the movie was developed on the working title of Liza. Beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. Demonio okay. is described by Troy Hallworth and Fulcher's would-be return to theatrical films. Did not receive any theatrical distribution at all worldwide. <laughs> Direct-to-video, even in Italy. And uh, so it didn't get official release in the U.S. until 2001. Uh, he, he described his film as a wonderful movie ruined from bad photography. Mm. <laughs> and it, it's really one of his weaker films. It's oddly incoherent. It's, uh, is it a ghost story? Is it an unsploitation movie? And... Who knows? <laughs> Do you ever feel like you find out why the nuns were crucified? Well, they were sleeping with guys and having babies. babies. It looked like, okay, but that's, they only that makes had sense. one scene of that. Yeah. And it seemed to only be one nun. Okay. I'm not quite sure. 
one bad apple, whole batch could be <laughs> all rotten. So he's directed 61 films, and this one sits in the bottom five on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. And that is where it belongs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, man. Plus, it has a horrible dubbing. There are moments where a guy's mouth is closed and he says a line. <laughs> 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 that does not just happen once. Really ethereal. The film is a 1990 movie, but it still looks exactly... It, if you'd said it was shot in 78, it was sort of, yeah, exactly. Because it looks with... Because it's, it's all Italian, so the fashion hits differently. So there are some fashion things that give it away, being the 90s. But other than that, it looks like a 70s exploitation film. Wow. It's really weird. So not even so bad it's good. Not really, because it's the points where it's good are pretty good. But it's more of, I don't care what's going on in this movie. Oh, man. So, yeah, it was pretty disappointing. He was old when he died, right? So. Yeah. And, you know, maybe he just didn't have it in him. Fulci lovers only. <laughs> yeah. I'm a Fulci liker, so. <laughs> well, cool. I'm not going to bother watching that one, but I am yeah, going to check out Yellow Brick Road. Yay! I, I would go that way. <laughs> uh, Eric, I think that means that the next choice is yours. That is correct. So I'm thinking, let's do sort of, we did a travel to small town kind of thing or travel someplace. I'm thinking more... Kind of more of a road trip movie, more of a hitchhiker's thing. Doesn't have to be the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be nice if it's a little bigger than the pizza scene in House. Sure. <laughs> totally hey, works for a pizza movie. So important. <laughs> that is like the whole film right there. <laughs> that and the disabled girl with the staircase. There you go. Yeah. I like that. Um, let's also remind people, at the time this episode comes out, Tomorrow, we will be at Emerald City Comic Con. Yeah. yeah. And we will be recording a live episode, and uh, we are talking about um, disasters as far as the comic book movies go. Yeah, yeah. comic book movies that um, were adaptations that went pretty bad, pretty wrong. Comic I've, good, I've movie bad. I've got a good one. <laughs> I've got a good one for that, so I'm very excited for that. Yeah, I'm so excited. And yeah, and if you happen to be at Emerald City Comic Con, come check us out. We will be at 6.30 on Friday. Yes, 6.30 Friday. Eric's got coins. Um, Vanessa is very friendly. I'm, I try to be nice. Yeah. <laughs> so come say hi. <laughs> Leave I'm Kelly sure, alone, apparently. I'm sure that um, we'll probably hit the, uh, the restaurant bar next door, right, afterwards? And yeah. Hobnob, all that stuff. I hope so. Uh, this is the part where I thank everybody who is participating in the value for value system. But uh, the the nature of that model is that it's either a feast or famine. And we know that and we realize that. But I will sure. just put this out there. It's, it's been famine, guys. Jeez. So, <laughs> anyway, but thank you for liking and sharing all of our posts and uh, sharing when the episodes come out. I like seeing all of that stuff. And... Uh, really, really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you, everybody, for uh, for listening and tuning in, and then telling me, "Hey, I finally listened to your podcast, and ah, it's pretty good." Thanks for that. <laughs> uh-huh. Appreciate it. That's nice. Always good to have. Yes, yes. that's the good reaction you're wanting. That's that's my feast. That's all I want for. I just assume <laughs> the people who haven't said anything about it have listened to it and are just being nice. 
I, you know, I think that people are just bad at mentioning. Like, I, how many people now that I've randomly seen post-pandemic crazy who are like, oh yeah, I totally checked it out. It was really good, and never said anything online. So yeah, yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. Um, also, as far as that live episode goes, we will be recording that, and if it's any good, it'll show <laughs> up uh, as bonus material, like our, uh, like the our thing, thing episode was for from Crypticon. Crypticon. So, okay, that means that uh, we're done for today. We will be back in one week and maybe even sooner. Could be. All right. Dun, dun, dun. Our show is recorded somewhere high above Naval Station Everett at the nexus of all realities and is engineered and produced by Eric Margaret. Our theme music is Strange Eons Part 1 by the band Nightshade and is used with permission. Find Strange Eons Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and wherever fine podcasts are found. See, I don't hate everything.